0: My guest today is Catherine Fraze, the founder of Workspace Education and the educational R&D company 100 Roads. Welcome to the show, Catherine.
1: Oh, thanks, Blake. I'm so happy to be here.
0: This has been a long time coming. I've known about you for many years and about Workspace in Connecticut for many years. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, uh, and I know that that has evolved recently as of the pandemic. And so it sounds like we have a lot of ground to cover here.
1: Yes, well, yeah, certainly. Pandemic has brought a lot, thrown a few spanners in the works, and um, <laughs> it's really helped us actually uh, move the needle on what I think is the future of education. So I'm excited to share about oh, that. Oh,
0: excellent! So let's start with the obvious. Uh, you are from Australia. Did
1: yes, right? yes, born and raised in Perth, um, and near Scarborough Beach. For anyone else who's uh, listening from Australia, um, yeah, a little surfy. I had my little foamy. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I, I discovered in high school that um, I felt very, very stuck. And I, I decided right back then that I wanted to spend my life in education and trying to create alternative environments for, for students. students. So, you you realized that in high school? Yeah, in high school. H- how did you um, learn yes. that? What was the, the moment? Actually the moment was, I think when I was about nine and I was in, uh, I guess we, we call it primary school, elementary school in, in America. And uh, we had to do this test. And if you're in the top 35%, you got to do a foreign language. And uh, I I wasn't in the top 35%. So um, I'm like, oh, well, I guess I I won't be able to do a foreign language, right? And I told my, I talked to my parents about that. And they said, you know, if you really want to do something, just go and do it. Just go and go and, you know, uh, state your case and make them argue why you can't do it. Right, so, they, so that sort of gave me a little uh, fortification and I went up to the the headmaster of the school and I said, look, I really want to do German. I I, I don't really know why I wanted to do German. It was just the only language that was available. Um, and, you know, I think I should be allowed to do it. I think it's unfair that, you know, I think I'm smart enough to do it and I, I don't know what happened on the test, but, you know, I really want to do that class. So I was allowed to do it and I and I enjoyed the class. And from that point on, I, I remember, remember distinctly thinking that well I actually I can do anything I I put my mind to I'm not I'm not going to be stuck in a system or be pulled by the system hmm. so there's since that moment there's been this this little voice in my head that's like you know when anyone says they can't do something you know I'm like okay let's find the workaround what is hmm. the workaround mm-hmm. um, and I, I feel like that has taken me as having that as as part of my little Life ethos, I suppose, hmm. has allowed me to do some extraordinary things hmm. in my life, and um, and I want to give everyone else that agency. Hmm.
0: I saw online that you are trained as a Montessori teacher, and uh, did you work in a Montessori mm-hmm. school? Did you work in uh, conventional schools? Do, what's your education? Yeah, background? so I,
1: yeah, I, I went into teaching because I wanted to obviously reform teaching, and I. I I was actually teaching Japanese. I also learned Japanese um, in high school and uh, decided I decided uh, and I, and I went to Japan when I was 12. I chose the school because I really wanted to go on this uh, Japanese trip, which was awesome. And I met the emperor of Japan and the you met, president. Excuse and, uh, me.
0: You met the yes, emperor of Japan I did. Well, actually, well, he wasn't the
1: emperor. Yes. He wasn't the emperor then. He was the emperor's son, but he became the emperor. So <laughs> I, I feel like I'm justified in saying that story. Um, yes. You know, it was an amazing trip. Uh, and I, I learned a lot about humans on that trip because, you know, I'm meeting all these, these people. I'm staying with families. Um, and I just assumed before then that everyone thought the same about everything, you know, about, you know, you're in the same situation. You would have the same feelings and thoughts in your mind about what's going on. But I, I really discovered that, you know, people can be in exactly the same situation and think so differently. So, so it gave me this appreciation of humans and how different. Can, and can you give me an example of,
0: of how you learned that in, in Japan or, or elsewhere? <laughs> Uh, like like a wow there are different yeah, cultures that get, exist moment uh,
1: there were six people at the school that I, I was billeted uh, Australian word for staying with families and going to a school that specialized in manga comic making so you remember the you know, the little manga comics yeah like graphic novel style about, yeah. Yeah. yeah it was amazing anyway I was in in this school that specialized in that and there were six of us and I was by far the youngest at 12 I was I just got onto the trip I was just uh I guess just finished eighth grade, um, or I was around that age. Um, and everybody else in the school was going to the Ginza, which is like this big shopping center. Uh, that It's like the, in the heart of Tokyo. It's, it's millions of people and amazing shops. And I just sort of, you know, I'm thinking, okay, well, this is, everyone else is going that I know that's Australian, that's the, sort of in this group. So I'm gonna go too. So I went and I, um, you know, I'm there and I'm with all these other people. And then they're all going home at the end of this sort of uh, this trip to this shopping center uh, or the, this, this, we, I mean, we had to catch trains there. It was really quite far. We're talking, you know, at least 45 minute trip in there. And I wasn't getting picked up. Like I wasn't picked up. Like my host family had no idea I was actually there and uh, everybody else left. And I'm by myself in the middle of the Ginza. <laughs> um, and I, and I'm talking to, you know, this, this lady, and I'm trying to explain, I didn't have much Japanese. I'd only really just started learning it then. And she's like, well, just stand on this chair. Like I'm, <laughs> and because you're so different because you're, you're Australian and you're different, they're, they're going to come and find you. So I'm standing <laughs> on this chair in the middle of <laughs> this, this place. And then, um and then no one's coming to pick me up. And then well, I'm trying to explain to them that, you know, I need to find these people and I got my diary out and they called the, the family and the family had no idea and they were really embarrassed that they had lost their exchange student um and you know I, I had to I had to wait there at the shop until they had come so about an hour and a half at the shop and uh on the way back no, no one will we no one would talk to me like it was a really like
0: they, I was were really embarrassed?
1: they were embarrassed I brought shame on the family um everyone around me was we're all wearing masks I mean obviously that's normal now, but <laughs> I guess it was peak hour and I, it, and everyone wear, wears masks in, mm. in, in Japan on the way home. And I'm just thinking this is such an odd place and no one's communicating. And it was just a really different way of thinking. Um, and, it, and because I didn't have the language skills, I guess because I didn't speak Japanese very well and I didn't really understand the nuances as well. And, and just the way that they were explaining things, it, it just, it was like a sleuth to really try and get between the lines mm. and understand the culture. So, so um,
0: other people in this situation might've considered this like a traumatic event. Like, what do you think gave you the, the fortitude to, to kind of see this as a learning experience or a cultural experience?
1: <laughs> you know, well, I, I think the honest truth was that as a little tacker, <laughs> um, I had a very bad lisp, like uh, speaking difficulty I guess I must have sucked my thumb for too long or something um, and uh I, I felt very very self-conscious about that and I think I spent you know a fair bit of time on my own and trying to work work out how to navigate the social situation the social situations at school and I think that they can be you know they were mean well I had some mean kids in my you know uh grade one <laughs> and they were there in grade two and they were there in grade three and they were there in grade four. And I was, you know, the cumulative effect of having to deal with the same bullies or the same, you know, the same situations. And you're just trying to work it out. Like how, how, how do I need to function? And in in Australia, the culture is like, you know, if you don't struggle, you know, you're, you know, well, struggling is all part of the deal of being a human. You know, (laughs) that's how you're going to learn how to cope with these things. Um, And I think, you know, to, to some, some degree it made me very resilient um, mm. and able to know that I was going to be okay and, and pretty independent but on the other hand I think there's social scarring there is there was something that really got to the core of me feeling lovable as a little child mm. that took a long time to get over like I feel like I was scarred by that school experience in the sense that I over and over and over and over I was Having to justify myself. (laughs) Uh, And, and I don't know, I'm not a psychologist, but I I, I feel (laughs) like it feels right that it, you know, I I was hurt Hmm. in school and I was harmed by it. Mm.
0: Do you think that fed into your decision to want to become an educator? Like you wanted to do better?
1: Well, it, it fed into this thing. Like, I remember when I was teaching and I would say, okay, that kid's being picked on, or this kid has got this behavior, or this coping mechanism. Or I could see things in kids that I had experienced, like not, not just feeling nervous to be outside at recess because somebody might have taken my backpack, or like just like stupid, you know, school, mean girl, mean boy, I don't mean kid stuff, right? You know, uh, then I just, you know, I really you know, I really wouldn't put up with it as an adult, you know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we, you know, as an adult, you can walk away from these experiences.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Um, but so, you know, like in a prison situation, you can't, and I, I see school more like a, pri- like, is this the best we can do for these kids?
0: Hmm. Right. Yeah. You're, you're not we're, even we're allowed to opt out way, of, right? of these, yeah. you know, sometimes very harmful social situations.
1: Right. I mean, that's just one of the things, you know, you, you, you know, I honestly believe like I had to go back to Montessori and I, you know, I got three Montessori certifications because I wanted to re-educate myself. Hmm. And the reason that I found my education so bad (laughs) was because I I think what they teach it all in little tiny fragments rather than giving you the whole, the big picture first, and then you can fit everything back into the big picture of what you're trying to do. Are are you
0: talking about uh, teacher training in Australia now? No,
1: I'm talking about, School, uh, school learning like, as, a, as left, a student yeah I left college. I did Islamic fundamentalism in Egypt as my thesis in political mm-hmm. science right and i 'd never been to egypt right i don 't know if i 'd ever met a Muslim person in Australia I probably did i just didn 't know right and here I am you know i 'm reading like foreign affairs and all these you know different political journals and uh, different journals and i 'm forming my opinion based on other people 's opinions about something that they've written about, which they may or may not have even gone to, right? And they, you know, like I'm writing about the Muslim Brotherhood. I've never been to Egypt. Like to me, that's so abstract. And I'm writing this 50,000 word thesis, which is going to be published. And it's embarrassing. Like it's not my learned experience. Like it's Mm. not real. So I was like, okay, look, I didn't, I didn't know what Western civilization was when I left college. I mean, that is scary, I had a
0: similar experience mm-hmm. when I wrote my senior thesis, which I think had to be 50,000 mm-hmm. words. And it was about uh, Sudbury schools and sort of mm-hmm. the, the philosophy of self-directed learning. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: I yeah, folded some other stuff in there that I'm kind of embarrassed to even talk mm-hmm. about now. But I think the only practical experience I had was volunteering at this one Sudbury school near San Francisco for, I don't know, maybe a total of 20 hours. Uh, and otherwise wow. it was just synthesizing mm-hmm. a bunch of other people's ideas and so uh, i mm-hmm. think I, I i vibe with what you're saying about yeah. feeling like a bit like an intellectual imposter
1: yeah 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 wait we need to it needs to be more real more applied i want to learn something and then do it and then mm-hmm. be like yeah this is a good way i'm going to keep mm-hmm. going there and then and build up on that
0: so let's you know, talk about your, your Montessori experience, because I think oh, that's yes. what a lot of people think Montessori is. It's a lot of learning by doing. It's a lot of mm-hmm. age mixing. Uh, I think mm-hmm. everyone imagines the kids in Montessori preschool playing with these wooden manipulative toys. Mm-hmm. And uh, tell me what your, your experience was like.
1: Uh, well, so I did uh, Montessori as my children grew up. So I did, uh, you know, three to six, and then I did my six to 12. I did my master's in Montessori with the top math. I'm Montessorian. I'm um, in the country, which was incredible. And then I did my adolescent training. So uh, obviously, I, I really uh, <laughs> I drive with uh, the philosophy. But uh, what I love, what I loved about it most of all, is that um, the learning is discovered. It's not like we're going to teach you to read. Uh, you get a sort of a game, or a, it's really an, uh, they call them materialized abstractions of a concept. So you get um, so everything in, in the classroom have, has a purpose, multiple purposes, actually. Um, and the, the kids are playing with them, but they're actually doing a lot of other things that they just don't realise they're doing at the same time. Um, and you learn math and you learn uh, language in tiny little bite-sized nuggets. They're like lily pads, little lily pads of knowledge, and they're spaced out. So you'll, be, you'll learn that that little activity, and you're applying it as you're learning it and you're sort of experiencing it and you're linking it to everything else and you're observing everything else that's going on in the room, Mm. and then you kind of master that and you're ready for the next one. You get shown how to do that very very quickly with no no spoken language. It's just they show you how to Mm. do it and then the kids basically mimic, like they they can just observe and watch and then they can do it. And then they they basically... uh, Experience that next bit of learning, um, and then they start making connections with what they learned before, mm-hmm. and they build their knowledge as they go.
0: Well, this and sounds in- sounds great. You found the promised land. Why aren't you still a Montessori teacher?
1: Uh, well, so so I think that Montessori is not for everyone, and so this is my whole thing with workspace: is that humans are so diverse, right? Like, it just I had two. And I have one that's very much uh, would have been fine um, in the traditional, it, using to, like a you know a classical methodology or you know uh, very book oriented with story a lot of story. Um, she was fine in Montessori for a while anyway um, because she was fine with her. She had great fine motor skills and she liked all the beads and she liked the manipulatives and those sort of things and then I had a son who was much more ADHD really into gross motor highly active wanted to climb everything couldn't stay with something for more than like five seconds um and was a bit of a terror in the classroom so (laughs) um so like that really was not a great Mm. pedagogy for him right Mm -hmm. because he was just disrupting everybody but you know I've seen it work incredibly well for some Mm. so every I mean like there is no one-size-fits-all perfect pedagogy. And then I also see how, you know, my son at the beginning was pretty, I mean, I was never diagnosed him, of course, but <laughs>
0: he, he was, you know. I mean, he, he passed the,
1: the sniff test for ADHD. <laughs> yes, he definitely would have done that. But, like, you know, when he was 12, he was really the opposite. It was very, very calm. So, so you know, like maybe it was sensory or whatever it was. He just took a, a while to un. Unwind into himself, if that makes sense. Um, and you know, he needed a different. pet. I mean, I think he would have been fine in Montessori. I did try him back when he was twelve into Montessori, and we didn't last a full year. Well, we just last a full year. I pulled him out, uh, and he would have. Um, he had quite a lot of. I don't want to talk about my son really, but um, he had quite a lot of anxiety, and he was just much better off at home. He was really enjoying being. Hmm. So at home, I just thought it was time for him to have more kids around.
0: Was your family in the United States by this point? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, we okay. were in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Connecticut. Yes, I had my children in Connecticut. I met my husband uh, on a world trip. Um,
0: oh, neat. Yeah. He was also traveling?
1: No, well, he lived in Manhattan and oh. I was, uh, I took a year off teaching Japanese because the union was on strike and I had, a, I had a, a problem because my Japanese wasn't great and I was doing a lot of extracurricular activities and they were banning all of those. So I'm like, oh my gosh! If I, <laughs> what am I going to do now? <laughs> you know, we couldn't go to karaoke, and we couldn't make sushi, and we couldn't do all these things that I really, really like to do. So I thought I'd go around the world, and um, I was teaching skydiving on the weekends, and um, <laughs> Just and casually. I also went, <laughs> yeah. and I wanted to um, go and visit alternative schools because my favorite professor at, at college when I did my teacher my teacher training, she she was really into this educator Krishnamurti, who's all about. Conditioning. He talks about conditioning and how we're conditioned to think in a certain way, and uh, we're really pretty much on automatic most of the time. And it's how to how to stay awake, how to how to be actually in control of your mind. And um, there are actually Krishnamurti schools around, so I wanted to go visit them. So I did this big trip and met my husband in New York
0: at, at one of these schools.
1: No, actually at the drop zone at this.
0: That's what I wanted (laughs) you to say. I was like, please tell me you met your husband skydiving.
1: Yes. At the blue sky ranch, um, he was a client. You were,
0: you were the, yeah, yeah, it
1: was was Memorial day. Yes. Well, I had just arrived the week before and I went to the pub and I said, I need a job for the summer. And, uh, so I was living in a tent next to this little airstrip in New Paltz in Gardner, New York. And. He had just done seven jumps, his accelerated free fall training, and wanted a coach for the season. And uh, yeah, so you we each met that weekend. You got more than you bargained and,
0: for, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and we fell, we, we like to say we fell in love. But, um, oh my
0: gosh, yeah. right, let's scoot right yeah. past that one. Uh, great, so t- <laughs> tell me about your transition into Workspace. Uh, and maybe you mm-hmm. can just start by, by briefly telling people who have no familiarity with it, what yep. Workspace Connecticut was or is. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and then what led you to it
1: sure okay so um so what i was doing at the time of around workspace was i just put my son into montessori school so i'm, I'm a mom i'm homeschooling i've been homeschooling for about 10 years i'm one of those moms who likes to organize things so i was doing destination imagination and lego league and all these things and i had started this little project called 2hp which was our huckleberry hill project and it was about the kids coming over one, for one day a week and they would spend the morning um, deep diving into a passion um, and then trying to work out how they can put what they were really loving out into the community somehow. Hmm. So my daughter was starting Lucky Tales Animal Rescue. She was 13 and, and she ended up doing that for two years, starting a non-profit and importing 20 dogs from Georgia and working at a vets and all sorts of different things. And my son, who was nine, was really into Minecraft. It had just come out and um, He was building the library in Minecraft and then he went to the library and got them to start a server for three different towns and he basically launched a Minecraft club that went for more than five years every Saturday from 10 to 12. Yeah, anyway, uh, so that was um, Huckleberry Hill Project and I just saw that during those those years where the kids were actually doing real-world stuff in something that they loved, the growth was unbelievable like the growth in them their confidence their agency they like if i can do that i can do anything you know like <laughs> um you know like from so from that moment when my my daughter did the animal rescue and then she started writing a book she got a book published when she was 16 she's just about to publish her third book when she's 22 just um wow. left college toughs um yeah so like uh, all of these things like when I, when I asked her, you know, what in her education was the, you know, the thing that really, what she really learned in that. And she, I think, you know, her, she always says things like it was that I just felt I could do anything that I was never held back by that. And that that just gave her a lot of confidence. This
0: Mm -hmm? was your family homeschooling that she was describing.
1: Yes. Yes. Oh, sorry. Yes. I'm sorry. I, I'm supposed to get to workspace. Yes. So <laughs> well, it sounds like you had a very successful
0: homeschooling <laughs> situation. So now I'm even more curious if this is yes. working so well, why, why spend time creating anything else?
1: Yeah. So, uh, so with my son, so my daughter's gone to college, it's me and my son. And he's that he, cause he's, you know, he has a little anxiety. He's probably a little ADHD brain. So what, what I would say with that is that, um, computer games are very th- soothing to a, a young human like that um, and they can become a little addictive because it's just uh, it's just what their brain likes to do a lot It's also mm-hmm. we, when you have anxiety it's a really good way to you know to connect with friends without it being too mm-hmm. um, too challenging in that department too so um, I was like okay, Uh, I did try and put him in school and he had panic attacks in the basement of the school. So I'm like, okay, if I had to create the perfect environment for this kid, so he could create the best life he could possibly can in a space, what would that look like? So that's what workspace is. It's, It's a space where I could actually be as a parent in the space and I can have my own life going on and he can have his own life going on. And he's surrounded by inspiring people. And we've got all sorts of different classes and courses. We had 140 classes and courses on the schedule. And I just got, you know, I had this building that I could use. I had uh, 32,000 square feet. Um, and I thought, okay, I'm going to set it up for authentic creative self-expression, which is, you know, how humans put themselves out there. So we had... Um, like an art studio, we had this amazing science lab and scientist who was incubating scientists, um, you know, a place uh, we called global awareness for humanities. We had a dance floor, wood shop. Uh, It's like a computer tech, laser printing, 3D printing kind of lab a big black box theater, audio recording, cardboard manufacturing, just, we had giant co-working space. Then we had the upstairs conference center so they could do their TED talks and all that kind of stuff. So we just had, we had about 30 different learning areas for these classes and courses and it just became this big zoo (laughs) of activity.
0: So I have so many questions at this point, but I think I'll start Mm -hmm. with the, the elephant in the room. I'm sure like when a lot of people learn about the Sudbury Valley School, they say, well, that's mm-hmm. that's brilliant. I'm glad they have all these different spaces and it's a beautiful campus. Mm-hmm. But how do you get a place like that? Did you just have, mm-hmm. I, I remember hearing that workspace was some sort of, you know, two or $3 million building. Correct me if I'm mm-hmm. wrong. I mean, how yeah, did I'll you, you. <laughs> get access? How did you get access to this?
1: Yeah, So, um, uh, so I looked at about 40 different sort of landscapes. So when I did my adolescent training in Montessori, I was immersed in this forest, 55-acre forest in Australia for for a month, and we had to envision this landscape, what it looked like. And I was thinking, well, I want these kids to be around makers and doers and, you know, inventors. Um, but in Montessori, they talk a lot about being on a farm and in the early ad- adolescent years. So I was looking at every farm, and I found this amazing farm, but it was $8 million, and I, <laughs> I found an old a wood mill um, and that was a beautiful landscape, but it, you know it was, you know, even it was, was going to cost three million before you even walked in because I had to move, you know, a lot of infra- infrastructure. And then this wire, I found this incredible wire mill, which is why Workspace has like the, the logo of Workspace had like wire, a wire mesh uh, font, because we in, oh, Connecticut invented the wire mesh at this uh. wire mill, and it was an incredible facility. Um, but it it was under litigation and there was a lot of there was still some brown soil in there so it's still under litigation like I would never have gotten this place but I thought this would be the most perfect place for urban renewal um, for teenagers and I could bring in the local governments we could do all these amazing real world projects in there Um, and then I went into this business park and I found this uh, this building Cannondale uh, bicycles. I don't know if you know Cannondale, Cannondale mm-hmm. Bicycles. They invented the aluminium frame and they had their headquarters there in this building. They built this beautiful big red barn and then it had this industrial building behind it and it's on a lake and it's next to 650 acres of forest. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is like so perfect. Like I'm walking through it and I, my body is like bouncing up and down because I could just see everything already done you know, including we had this amazing industrial kitchen in the middle and a cafe. And mm. it was just, it was just an incredible, I just knew I'd, I'd already done it in my head walking through this building. So I, I said to my husband that, you know, I, it's Mother's Day and... <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's Mother's Day, and, Hubby, could you And please? our son
1: needs a place, right, to do his <laughs> education. And, you know, this is, this is exactly what the world needs. The world needs to see this. And I can make a really bold example of what good looks like. And I'm, you know, I'm probably the only one crazy enough to attempt attempt this, but I'm sure I'm not. I'm sure there are others. <laughs> but at the time, um, most people were thinking I was crazy to, to just buy this building and, and turn it into, into this, but... I, we need places like this in the world.
0: Uh, I, I agree. I agree. I, I still want to know how did you finance it? Were you guys in a position oh, to just yes. purchase this? Yes. Well, my this, husband,
1: or? yeah. Well, my husband uh, was, he started a company the day that my son was born. He's now 17, 18. Um, and he managed to sell 70% of it. And he said that I could uh-huh. have my part of the proceeds to do what I wanted with.
0: Cool. Okay, so it was I f-
1: thought I'm going to revolutionize education. Yes, <laughs> you know, like.
0: <laughs> okay, so a f- fortuitous sale from your your husband's company enabled you guys to. That's right. To take this the, building yeah. on. Yeah, and
1: then I did that. I, I did. You know, I didn't get a get it like you know interior decorated. I you know I got I went I called Sherman Williams and I picked five paint colors and, you know, I made wallpaper and you know we did the best we could mm-hmm. on a on a shoestring. Um, you know.
0: So there's another thing that stood out to me when you were listing off the characteristics of workspace, which is that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, this is not like, I I keep coming back to the Sudbury Valley School just because there's not that many Mm -hmm. like big properties like this out there where these sorts of Mm self-directed models are being practiced. Uh, But Mm -hmm. Sudbury Valley School is very clear. This is a space for our students and our staff, not Mm -hmm. for parents. And you said this is like a co-working, co-learning space where parents, you you said you wanted to be around your son during the day. Mm And I think, yeah. you know, this is unique because you're starting this program for your son, but also for other people's kids. Mm-hmm. But did you have other parents coming and working in the workspace while their kids were attending? Was that, was that the model? Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. So yeah, the model is like, it's just as good as for parents as it is for, um, for the kids. I mean, like seriously, when you are homeschooling, like when I was homeschooling, I wanted to talk to adults because I wasn't at work and I love being at work and love being, talking about things in my passion with other adults. And so I wanted to go and have other people to do things with. And so did a lot of the parents. Like we had a parent that started a Shakespeare troop and it was incredible and had parents and, and had educators and the kids that I, all everybody was involved in all sorts of different things. And what are these parents
0: doing for work? Are these parents who have remote jobs or work for themselves or mm-hmm. have otherwise flexible arrangements?
1: Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, during COVID, that's probably exacerbated uh, that availability, but, you know, we'd have like parents who would like, well, first of all, no one wants to be in one place five days a week. I mean, that, Amen. <laughs> you know, we, we think because we, we're replicating school in our mind that we need to be in a place for five days a week, but like, In reality, most homeschoolers wouldn't want to go to a place more than two or three times a week. Mm. That's probably enough social, right, for the family. And, Mm -hmm. you know, kids, when they're they're doing their personalised pathways, they need time where they can really focus and concentrate, right, and other times where they're going to be creative and want to do projects and do all sorts of different things. Um, And different kids will need a different balance of that. So the beauty of a place like Workspace is you can come in, and you can attend what you want to attend and you come in and the family's in charge of what, you know, of their ch- children's schedule schedules are. And, you know, maybe, you know, some of the families, you find your people inside that because you, when you have enough families, you know, you find other families, it's like you date families. <laughs> you find the right mix of families and then you organize stuff with them. And the kids get on, and, and then mm. you've got this great kitchen, and then oh, this is amazing uh woodworking person, and then this is chef, and maybe we can combine those two. Why don't we make picnic tables and then have a crazy event out in the back parking lot and do this? <laughs> and yeah. maybe this group over there can perform for us, you know, like it's that it's the ability to like to all have these um collisions, <laughs> these fortuitous collisions, you know, in the halls and in the hub at Workspace mm-hmm. and come up with these imaginative things. Like uh, we were doing an Alice in Wonderland day where we we're all like, you know, we, we were all getting costumes and we, we had uh, like uh, flamingo croquet and we had all sorts of things all happening around the building. And that whole session, we were talking about, like in everybody's classes, they were doing little Alice in Wonderland uh, tributes. So like, you know, there'd be like, hey, let's we we're going to make haiku and it's going to be Alice in Wonderland inspired. Are we going to be doing this? Are we going to be doing that? And we can like uh, as a whole community do stuff, not just the kids yeah. doing projects. It's like we could do stuff as a community, as families, as individuals, uh, as, you know, like two kids as study buddies could, you know, do some competition. Yeah. No, it's like we're not limited
0: it's an extremely beautiful vision. Uh, I have a few more sort of like logistical questions for you that are mm-hmm. popping up in my head. So this is located in Bethel, Connecticut. What, mm-hmm. what part of Connecticut is that? And, and how did you draw families in? Because I feel like you, yeah. have to, you have to be near some high population density areas in order to have you families do, really. come in.
1: It is a lot harder, unless you want to spend a ton of money on marketing. But, you know, we did have people that would drive a long way. That the, uh, our what, what's the closest the city? What's the closest <laughs> big city
0: that I would recognize um, to Bethel? Well,
1: Danbury. Uh, so the, we have Hartford, the capital, and we have New York City. And we're in, right in between that. And out, we're right in the outskirts of Danbury. Okay. Um, with, And that's a city, but not a very big one.
0: Okay. So you're um, also kind of near New Haven.
1: New, no, New Haven's on the coast. We're sort okay. of inland. Okay. Um,
0: but did you have families who would really, drive from New York City and from Hartford? We
1: had, well, yeah, we had actually. Well, we had a family that drove from the other side of um, JFK, so that would take them two and a half hours, sometimes three, with traffic. Uh, and they had, you know, a, a bunch of kids, and they could only do it for about six weeks, and then they're not like, Yeah, we? yeah, yeah like, That sounds. And, and I would complain after like thirty minutes of driving.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, um, I wished, and and this is one of the reasons why I'm so excited about what we're doing now is is that you don't need to drive. Yes. But you can, yes. You can get the full experience of workspace. Actually, I can do ten times the stuff, the value, <laughs> right, for a tenth of the cost in the format that I'm doing it now. So now it's it, it's widely available and, and much cheaper. So you can just try it.
0: Yeah, and, and we're, we're gonna we're gonna get there to workspace Sky in a second. Here, yeah. Here's another mm-hmm. question for you about workspace Connecticut. Okay. So this model mm-hmm. where did you, did you call them students? Did you call them something else? What, what was your word for the kids? Well,
1: there? you know. If we had to call them learners or something like that, we would we'd use learners, but, you know, we we didn't like to differentiate. Like, well, they're just okay. younger people, aren't they?
0: Okay, okay. So the, the younger learners, uh, if they're coming <laughs> with their parents, does this mean mm-hmm. that in terms of the responsibility to supervise um, mm-hmm. kids, was that delegated to the parents? Or did yes. you have a team of staff and, and those staff could have the responsibility of oversight so that families could drop their kids off and not stick around if they wanted to.
1: Yeah. So like this, this is, this is the question, right? Like, so um, because we had a building, right? I mean, a big building with lots of exits and because we had things like wood shops with saws and equipment and soldering and you know, we had cutting knives from the, you know, we're doing a lot of cardboard work and all sorts of things. Um, and also that we couldn't predict kids like, you know, like if you have a child that's not doing very well at school and he might be, you're like, okay, well, no one likes him at school or the teachers don't like him, I'm going to pull him out. because I, you know, it's, And then they're looking for things to do and they'd be very, very happy to just drop their child off. Um, and we don't really have that history of the child uh, and we have a lot of dangerous stuff and we have a lot of people who are actually working in classes and there could be a lot of rambunctious, I mean, that it's like, it's that have complete freedom.
0: Mm.
1: Um, and when you come out of a, a pretty authoritarian environment, like a school it takes time <laughs> to really come, really find yourself in the, that mm, self-discovery mm-hmm. and, and being confident in who you are and, and how you behave and how you're interacting with people. And so in that de-schooling or that transition stage, um, you know, I, I think the children really need um, guidance and I think the parents really need to see the impact that their child is having on the people around them hmm. as well. So for me, I feel, I, I feel like the child needs their parent, especially when they're younger. And when we feel really confident that they're going to be fine and they're not going to be disruptive and they're going to, you know, they're, they're going to easily be able to attend people's classes without, you know, being disruptive or sure. disrespectful of the person trying to do the course and those sort of things, then we are, we're, a lot, um, we're a lot more relaxed about... supervision Mm. (laughs) but that is something that has to be kind of you you don't know from an interview process you know what that's going to be like Mm. and the parents say a lot of things in the interview and and don't necessarily do that in in real life and Mm. and what actually tends to happen is that the parents will come and they will sit in the hub right like in the like a library like in the center and their kids will be running around Anyway, and finding their friends and playing and, hmm. um, you know, playing chess and then going to this class and that class and then just checking in with their parent. Um, but, like, if their child left, but let's say they left an exit and they're walking down the street, we didn't have enough staff to make sure that we could, you know, we weren't guarding the exits and we weren't, we wanted it to be a free environment. So the only way we could make it free, like free mentally and and not being on top of the kids was to have somebody who, uh, somebody else who was responsible. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And so it sounds like if a family was there for a while, maybe you could think of it as a trial period and the kid proved themselves to be very responsible, then it could Mm -hmm. be an option for the kid to come without the parents. But- There, there had to be that that getting to to know you period.
1: mm -hmm. Well, it had, they had to be signed out to someone like you couldn't, there was Mm. nobody at workspace who didn't have a guardian of some description. So if you couldn't be with your child and you'd organize Uh. with this family to take care of your child you could do that. If they were with a background educator and they're going to be with that educator for three hours, you don't have to be there, right? But if your child is at large and they can go in and out of the woodshop and leave the building and go and play basketball and (laughs) hanging out with these, you know, these teens, right? Like if we don't want the situation where a parent comes back and say, hey, my kid was heard this word because they were hanging out with this guy and (laughs) they were doing rap in the audio recording and, you know, and I'm, I'm not okay that he learned that word we'll be like, well, you should have been supervised,
0: right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so the, every kid, student, learner, uh, needs to be associated with some adult who is their guardian. It could be yeah. some other yeah. kid's parent. It could be temporarily mm-hmm. an educator. Yeah, well, I
1: mean, we didn't have the budget. Like, yeah, how many staff did you to... have
0: in addition to yourself?
1: Well, we had, um, well, that, that varied depending on the programming that we were doing. But we, we had a dream director who was... Who was she's a, basically a, a school psychologist um, who really got to know the the learners and also was uh, her role really was to launch them into what they wanted to do and to help them navigate you know whatever pathway that they wanted to be following. Um, we had a curriculum spe- specialist who was part time. We had a front desk person for when people came in the building. We had a full time scientist. We have a full time facilities director that's for leaks and you know, everything that can happen with the building. Mm-hmm. We had our tech wizard, our tech specialist who was in our, in our tech area who would help with all tech issues. So if you were doing a class and you couldn't get the projector to work, he could run up and help you with that and um, give you a tutorial on that. Um, but as far as supervising, I mean, we had kitchen, we had two people who ran the kitchen, two amazing chefs who would be there. They, they ran their own business in there, so they weren't really um, officially staff. Um, and I had an ad, admin person who was doing all that, you know, the okay. membership. So, so that's
0: about eight mm-hmm. people, I think. Yeah. And how many, what was your capacity? Or let's let's say instead, what was the maximum number of of families and, and how many people was that? Was that usually one parent yeah. and one kid?
1: Uh, it, we did actually have a high percentage of only children. Um, you know, obviously they're probably looking more for community. And also, I think the more children you have, uh, the more exponentially (laughs) complicated it is to do scheduling and those sort of things. Yes. Um, uh, So, you know, I I wanted to have, um, you know, about 150 families. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking Mm -hmm. the Dunbar number. How many people can you really get to know Mm -hmm. um, in that building? Uh, we could have had up to 600, Humans in that building, but um, that's what it was designed for. Um, But I was thinking, you know, I had a break-even number with um, about 150 families.
0: And did you achieve that number? We
1: were on the right. We're going before COVID. We're on the right track. We were we were heading in the right direction. But um,
0: I I feel like this story is about to turn, turn into a tragedy, Catherine. It
1: is. It's well. It's not. It's actually turning into. Well, it's pivoting slightly. Yes,
0: a, a momentary tragedy followed by a, a phoenix say, from the ashes. A,
1: it was a tra- tragedy for it, for some, but it was a, a gentle tragedy. It was a, a gentle unfolding of the tragedy. Yes. So, well, it's not really it's not it's not a tragedy at all.
0: <laughs> J- just for uh, uh, so we have some landmarks. When did Landmark uh, open, and and how long did it run uh, until? Yes,
1: January two thousand sixteen. We opened. Okay. Yeah. So you had a solid. Um,
0: four years, 16, 17, 18,
1: 19. Yes. And then when COVID happened and so March 12th, we had to close because of COVID. We thought, okay, this is going to be two weeks, you know, like everyone else. Um, and, and because we have a very vibrant Slack and we do, we organize a lot of things with all the families on Slack. So all our our classes just went virtual and, um, you know, I think the kids did miss each other, you know, the in-person, the play, especially, um, but obviously, this was a pandemic, and um, and then we we decided, well, we'll we'll go back the next year, part time, um, like two days a week, and see how that goes. Um, and then we were coming across like these people wanted to wear masks, these people didn't want to wear masks. Um, there's going to be a big expense in extra staff and uh, changing out, making outside areas and inside areas, mm-hmm. and. Um, and I was getting a lot of people who are like, well, we're just going to take the year off. We're just going to take the year off. Or they had, you know, children who were a little compromised, like those, you know, they had a lot of, we, you know, we have, um, some children who, um, just didn't want, you know, if you get a COVID in your family, it could be devastating for a family member. Put it that way. Yeah. Um, and I just, you know, I was just thinking, well, I can take a big, deep breath and just go for it. <laughs> um, but everyone was seeming, seemingly, they were doing pretty well on home, at home and they were potting up in their little groups and meeting with the, their little family sort of groups. And I'm just like, you know, I think everyone, like my son was like, I think we're okay. I don't know if we really need to go back. And, and you know, I think I just, I, I got to the point where I'm like, okay, well, I'm... You know, I feel like, um, and by this time, I just have to say that I started this research and develop, development company and I've been helping people create spaces like this for the, for two years. You've been helping and other people
0: create spaces like workspace. Like workspace. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yes. Um, and inspiring them to think about space differently. Right. Um, and the biggest obstacle that people have is getting a building or financing a building. And it's very complex when you're dealing with families, not just the students. It just adds this whole level of complexity to the whole operation. And I'd, I'd been toying with the idea of like when we, you know, like what would a landscape for for families look like if I built one in the sky? You know, like you're playing real player one and it was your, like your perfect environment, what would that look like? And, um, and I feel like everyone's, you know, complaining about Zoom, Zoom calls and online learning and everyone's dying to get back into, person, into in-person learning. But there were so many advantages to doing online learning. Just like, you know, like I could easily get people to come here and do mentoring with the kids and I can have all these collaborations with all these different organizations. Um, and it's so much less it's so it's so hard to get everyone to drive into this little place in Bethel, Connecticut, to do all this stuff <laughs> uh, that I just couldn't give enough to these teens. I, I didn't feel like at workspace I could give enough to them. Mm. Like I wanted to give them everything that they needed, that would supplement a homeschooling journey, and I wanted to be a bridge to the real world and get them out doing these amazing projects. Well, and uh, that, that t- it just took a lot, a lot of energy,
0: mm-hmm. but. What you were describing earlier about, like, for example, the mm. Alice in Wonderland sort of spontaneous mm-hmm. collaborations and the people in the kitchen yeah. inspire other people to do something mm-hmm. else. I mean, all of that organic cross pollination that happens mm. in person when someone can just be upstairs and have an idea yeah. and run downstairs and tell their friend downstairs about yeah. it. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that it, you're saying you felt like you couldn't give the, the students, the teens, there yes. uh, enough. It, yes. it seems like you were yeah. already giving them so much, and in this very fun dynamic in in the flesh environment.
1: Yes, except you know it was ex- well, it was expensive because it's expensive to run a building. So like I really I wanted to imagine. make it
0: yeah.
1: much cheaper. Like the staff, the staff was you know like two thirds of your budget, and then buildings the pretty much the rest. Um, but new technology has come out like over the last year where we can now do all that, all those collisions like we, we we do in person and we can do them in person, virtually, but in person. So you're there, you're running around, you're bumping into someone, their video screen comes on, right? Yeah. Your this is like, like the website gather. This, or, like yeah. gather, right? Exactly. Like yeah. Gather town.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. And we designed, we've designed a complete, like if we could, if you could imagine the best possible learning environment based on all educational theories that you've come across and and all that kind of stuff, like, that you could put in, what would that look like? Like, so this is what it does. Like, when you don't have to actually buy the building, right, and you don't have to work with the space that you've got, which is a huge constraint, you can now use your imagination to think about, oh my gosh, if I really wanted to, um, to give, a student, the world, right? And an understanding of the world, what would that look like? Hmm. That's what Montessori wanted. She wanted, she wanted, she's like, this is what you gotta do with teenagers. You've got to give them the world. They've got to know about everything, right? And they've got to know it from the big picture all the way, you know, and how it all works. the laws of the universe, well, the I, story of humans,
0: I'm of technology, curious. of
1: invention, of discovery.
0: If we could, yeah. you know, Resurrect Maria Montessori and say, what do you think of yeah. the, the online collaboration? I, I'm really curious what she would say. I, I was very taken she would love it. when I read uh, you know her mm-hmm. notes on the adolescent years and her ideas yeah. about like, okay, what these kids do not need right now is traditional classroom learning. What they do need is to go to a farm or, an, or a B yeah. and have some mm-hmm. responsibilities, but it's always social. You're doing it with other people, you have these like yes. real world experiences maybe you talk about academics a little bit, but it's in a very sort of like problem oriented way, not just siloed academics. And, but really it's a lot of doing and, and not as much mm-hmm. abstract learning that can come again later in the, the 16 to 20 years. That, that's my memory of, of what she said, but it, it seemed like she really stressed the in-person aspect so much. It's like you're on a yeah, farm well, working with your hands. Yes.
1: yes, that's right. But in-person stuff, right? Because it's expensive, right? Yeah, You don't have to do everything in person, right? Like Because just think of how much, like, like at school, right? Like what percentage of time do kids spend doing really boring stuff in person? A lot, right? <laughs> a lot, right? Like why don't we have these spaces all around the place? Little, little micro labs, little everything, like little really high quality experiences hmm. that really grow you as a human. And then you can go anywhere and do boring stuff. You don't have to be in person, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? You, I'm in Montana in the mountains right now. I could sit here and do a, you know, a really boring algebra class. My son is, <laughs> no, I won't say what he's doing right now. But he's doing online learning right now in, in Montana. But he's also like, you know, he's taking his horse out and he's, you know, he's learning about regenerative farming and thistles and uh, all sorts of different things. Um, you know, in a, in a really nice physical environment. And I just think we need to mix it up, yeah. right? Like if, if you are really passionate about revolutionising education, do something awesome, like do something transformational that's really high quality, right? And then let's... Take what you're doing and network it with all these other people who are doing really cool stuff, right? Listen,
0: I'm totally on board with you, Catherine. I think that, you know, Mm -hmm. for example, I I take teenagers on these international trips or run domestic programs Mm -hmm. where they come together and have this really... Intensive experience for somewhere between mm-hmm. four to six weeks, and then they go yes, home fantastic. back to their, their their normal lives. And mm-hmm. uh, and so I it's see changed. myself as just one small part in this ecosystem, but hopefully a really you know positive, impactful mm-hmm. one. So I'm yes. I'm totally with you on on having all these different little ecosystems and and little opportunities, and families get to decide how to piece them all together. Yeah. So Yeah, so this is
1: this thing. This thing I've created now. Workspace Sky mycelium. Yeah, Workspace Sky teens, 13 to 18 year olds. It's the mycelium (laughs) that we have in the cloud, and then from the cloud, they work out all the things that they want to do, the classes, all that kind of stuff. And then they and they find other people who live near where they are, or they find what they really love to do, and they go down and do that in person in real world experiences. Like they go down and they work in a, a wood shop in a, like a, you know, a community of practice or, you know, alongside, you know, they apprentice, they they do a little apprenticeships. They do, you know, those sort of things.
0: So let's just stick with this example of like woodwork. Mm -hmm. Um, Are you saying Mm -hmm. that the sort of value that Workspace Sky is contributing to a family here is that maybe this family did not even know that this wood shop exists locally or they didn't know that they are that the wood shop is open to teenagers coming in and participating Mm -hmm. and so you are connecting uh the family with the opportunity locally and if that's true um Mm -hmm. do you do that Mm -hmm. all over the us or or even further because that just seems like a whole lot of information that needs to be processed there
1: yeah no what we do is we teach we like we've collaborated with chris dr chris hunger at northeastern do you know you must know. No, no.
0: Yeah, you oh, should, he's also. Awesome. You should tell me and everyone yeah, else who this Yeah, and Jim McHugh
1: says. also. <laughs> uh, uh, well, he uh, runs the doctoral program in uh, innovation in education. Just really, um, and he's on a mission to revolutionize education and he finds the best stuff that's happening out there and he does podcasts and, and gets the word out about that. Um, very delicate individual. But anyway, he's running our mentoring program with uh, Jim McHugh, hopefully. Um, and we're designing a place. He wants to have this really cool house with a big backyard and the kids come out, walk into his backyard and sit around the fire pit and they talk. Uh, and it's all, it's all about just, uh, having conversations about how, you know, what do you really care about and how, how would you like to go out? And, you know, basically how do you want to design your next part of your pathway that includes that,
0: but this then, is an in-person experience in someone's backyard. That's only accessible yeah, it's a virtual to a backyard. Oh, it's a virtual, it's virtual. backyard. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, I didn't pick up, pick that up.
1: Yeah, it's like, it looks like, I, could, I wish I, uh, this is a podcast, but if this was um, not a podcast, I could actually take you around and we could walk around. I could show you these kinds of locations. Okay. So, you know, we have a space age laws of the universe center um, at the center of our town. It looks a bit like a university campus um, and it's filled with different buildings. Um, and uh, you can go into galleries to see like you walk in and you get you go into the interior of a building and it's a gallery and it's so It's a whole virtual
0: are. world and you have an avatar and you Little, can go, yeah. you can go yes. and meet people spontaneously, you can go to organized events.
1: Classes. Uh, yeah, classes. and you put classes, you just like on a regular catalogue. Your class is just on a location on the map. Mm-hmm. So but you have to walk to it and Ka- you might bump into someone on the way. Catherine you have an advisory.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you remember the game Second Life? This was a yes. big thing, I think, in, in the yeah. aughts, the, somewhere in the early 2000s. I remember getting excited yes. at some point about the, the, someone's had a proposal for a second life university. Mm-hmm. And the idea was you yeah. have an avatar, yeah, you're like, out there interacting come, with people.
1: Like in the MOOC.
0: Yeah, but MOOCs, mm-hmm. you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's something yes. we should pay attention to because there was a lot of hype about MOOCs around 2010, and mm-hmm. there was not a lot of substance there. Yes. You know, MOOCs were very handy for right. people from other countries, mm-hmm. a lot of people who already had bachelor's degrees, for example. Like, they didn't serve the, yes. the the theorized audience as well as everyone hoped they would. They didn't disrupt higher education in any significant way.
1: No, no, that's right. And, and this may not either, but- Uh, what I know about it is that I can provide 10 times as much value through Mm. this platform Mm -hmm. at a tenth of the cost. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like I can, can, with this platform, be a bridge to the real world. And for any teenager who, you know, for where school is not working and there are a lot, Mm -hmm. or you're in hospital or you're in a remote location or your Mm -hmm. parents are, moving uh around a lot and you just need that consistency of friend Mm -hmm. group um or you you know you just you're in a school situation and you've got a really uh subpar friend group or you want to find someone who really loves industrial car design and you haven't been able to find one Mm -hmm. this could be worth a go to check out whether it's yeah whether it's for you or not
0: can you do it part-time or full-time
1: you can like it's just like workspace. So you just get a season pass. Yeah. It's a 10 week season or three month season. Oh, I, uh, you can try it $350 a season.
0: Oh, that, that is and cheap. And we have
1: um, yeah, we have speed friending. Like uh, we have three big social events, speed friending. We've got a big Halloween party. We're doing a Thanksgiving scavenger hunt as our big social events mm-hmm. and everybody, uh, gets to be part of an advisory. Um, we have 16 staff members who are putting this together. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, our theme for the first uh, season is belonging, based on the book Belong by Radha Agraval, uh, which is an amazing thing about, you know, how do you, you know, how do you look into yourself, find out how you want to put yourself out there, and then how do you choose friends, like based on your values, your character and who, classic, who do you want to be hanging classic out with? Classic
0: questions for teenagers.
1: Yeah, so that's that's what we're doing, and the second the second theme in in our winter season is going to be on soft skills, uh, you know, the soft skills that we need to you know community yeah. uh, communicate, but really um, get to the next lily pad in the journey. Um, and complementing this, I'm sorry to I'm butting in and and talking your ear off, but um, we've got a very exciting. Uh, coaching platform for them too based on what we learned from workspace and dream directing um, and that is really to support the you know each learner if they want it this is a it's additional it's 290 for a season to have a coach we have one-to-one coaching for these kids to help them uh, it's to help them wayfind, find um, to design their best life or their educational journey or but- to start a project from soup to nuts
0: I mean the, if you have mm-hmm. both of those, the, the membership mm-hmm. and the coaching, that's still less than seven hundred dollars for Yeah, for a it's very, season. very
1: inexpensive. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. So I think you know, and you know, I feel like that that it's an affordable option, so it's worth giving it a, a go. We even have a two hundred dollar discount if you sign up for the year or yeah. three seasons. And
0: we're recording this right now in summer of 2021. And mm-hmm. I mean, is this good to go? Is this happening already? Is it starting this fall? Yeah,
1: it's September 7th is our first day.
0: September 7th. Yeah, So we're about okay. to launch.
1: We started, we, I mean, this has been in my head for a little while, um, but we started with the concept artist and digital design team um, in March. So um, yeah, we're, uh, is it going to be 100% complete? Uh, well, it will be with all the concept drawing. So we will be able to run around the concept drawings, if we haven't quite finished the digitalization. But, you know, I'm hoping we'll get some um, teens or so to jump in. They've been designing dorm rooms. Our, our teen focus group has been <laughs> designed. They've been designing lockers. We've got these portals. We have lockers and you can go in your own portal that goes into your own dorm room. So <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool, cool things that we're doing. So yeah. you're going to
0: be relying upon some teens to, to swing some digital hammers onto some digital nails and and maybe help build the place out.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, why wouldn't you want to do that? You know, I want them to start their own government. I mean, they they can do, this is their world, right? And our team is designed to listen to them. And then we, you know, we are are adapting to the Generation Zers that we're gonna be Hmm. attracting.
0: So let's talk about the classic concern for parents, which is if my kid does this full-time, is my kid Mm -hmm. meeting academic standards? Are they staying Mm -hmm. on track somehow? How do you respond Mm -hmm. to those kinds of questions?
1: well uh so we are not the actual education providers we partner with the education providers mm-hmm. so we are the container in which the education can happen at the level of participation that the parent or the team wants to participate uh, depending on the family and the child and the philosophy and the worldview, right they're going to have a different way like every every single child is different and they're going, to have, they're going to be at a different spot in their academics in different areas. Um, we have a parent community uh, in a Mighty Network. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Mighty Networks. It's a, it's a, it's a fairly new platform. Um, we have two staff members dedicated to our parents and helping them create and support their team on a self-directed journey. Hmm. Um, so, uh, so if they... It,
0: hmm? it, just to be specific, like if a kid says, mm-hmm. I want to take algebra... Mm-hmm. does workspace sky help connect that kid to some algebra provider i, I imagine am yes. that you're not providing this directly you don't say like we're hiring an algebra no. teacher and you can come no. to the algebra class
1: no but we partner with like arizona arizona state university their digital prep program and they have okay. over 40 classes high school classes but they also do dual enrollment classes and I mean, that's just one. There's plenty of different ones. And we also have a curriculum specialist if p- parents want to you know, get more information. Okay. So, so fundamentally,
0: um, this is a social mm-hmm. network for teams. Yeah, social learning
1: network. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And so and be, beyond the socialization aspect, the amount of traditional academics or, or other kinds of formal learning that uh,
1: mm-hmm.
0: someone may want to do is up to them.
1: Is absolutely up to them. Yeah. yeah, so they could do no curriculum, like they mm-hmm. could be absolutely unschooled, mm-hmm. and it could just be part of their life, right? Yeah. A, a way to have a consistent friend group and to find yeah. friends. Glad in to hear that, that, that. Passionate about it. Yeah. Yes, and then on the other, on the other hand, you know, I think you have actually time to do both. I think you can do a very challenging course. You could do community college classes. You could do, like my daughter did her um, high school at our local university. You can, you know you can challenge yourself, right? Like every child can challenge themselves. And, you know, we'll talk about that in coaching Mm -hmm. and design, you know, their best academic pathway. And, and, you know, you could be working in your advisory. You're going to have unschooled students, students, learners, people. (laughs) Um, You're going to have very traditionally school people. You could still be at school and be a member. There's no reason why you couldn't Mm. be. Um, but we're not focusing on academics we're focusing on being good humans yeah and you know building character and value and finding out what what we need or what they need to be doing in the world to be successful and fulfilled and happy and contributing how many teens
0: do you want to have in this let's say by the end of the first year what do you imagine my
1: dream would be to have 200 we can have up to 500 okay um, but what's the limit why,
0: why why no more than 500
1: oh well on this platform we got what well, you know, I, I run a, a nonprofit, right? It's a research and development company. 100 words. I'm putting this out there, yes. I'm putting this out there because I want people to make it for their communities, mm. right? It's not rocket science to build one of these things. It you know, takes dedication and time, but you can make something that's completely adaptable to, you, to your community, right? And it really doesn't take very long. I mean, I'm doing something elaborate because I can't help myself. Um, <laughs> and I also want to show the world what is possible And to help them imagine and not be limited by that, the space thing, because Mm -hmm. all the founders, most of the founders that come to to work with 100 Roads, they're like, well, I really need to get a building, right? And I see the building as limiting, you know, what they really want, right, is to transform education and transform the experience that these teens are having so that these teens are, you know, are really going to unlock their potential. And I don't think it happens in the building.
0: Well, I want to challenge you on that because I'm imagining Mm -hmm. teens that I've known uh, for Mm -hmm. whom uh, homeschooling has been a rather isolating experience. Mm -hmm. And when they go to a place where they're meeting other people in person. And I, of course, think of mm-hmm. not back to school camp. You know, this is a, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, a totally wow. radical transformation, positively, you know, radical transformation in their lives. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are a lot of teens who really do want a group. Yeah, like like their primary need is a is a face to face social group of other teens to hang out with. There are unschoolers who go back to school just so they can have mm-hmm. access to other teens. No,
1: a lot so, of them do. I mean, that's yeah. the biggest. Ex- excuse people will put up with a lot yeah. to have a consistent friend group
0: a f- physical right? consistent a, friend group yeah
1: a fi- yeah that's right they'll put up with being in a really harmful situation mm-hmm. for that yes so if you have and-
0: a kid like that who's coming to workspace sky and says listen mm-hmm. this is great i'm making some cool friends online but i'm just mm-hmm. i really need to hang out with someone face to face who i can, can like yeah. give a
1: hug to yeah yeah well and they should right so that's fantastic if someone says that i'll be like right so who are you looking for, right? Like what would be that perfect person? Like, and what would you be doing if you were together? Oh, you would be in theater. Have you thought about maybe looking out, checking out all the local theaters in your area? So you'd you know, point them towards thing, extracurricular
0: right? type, type programs. Well,
1: I would say like, I'd really find out what is their fun, what, what are they really feeling? I would help them examine, what is that void that they're missing? And I don't see why they can't do their theatre program and get that, that camaraderie, that feeling of belonging and family there, and then you know, also be in the sky and, you know, and choosing classes and, and getting to know other people. If they, they might find that, well, they don't need Workspace Sky, they've got their theatre group, and that mm-hmm. is perfectly fine too. We're, mm-hmm. we're, not, we're not trying to be a perfect fit for everybody mm-hmm. we just want to be a place that people can go and you know find other other people and get connected to learning and experiences that they that they just didn't get, get connected to when they're at home like you know career exploration uh, like uh big ideas like we've got a whole talk series on sustainability on social justice. Um, we've got different people who are actually moving into our town center and having a building and offering different you know, classes and courses for, mm-hmm. um, for the teens. Um,
0: and w- will there be a chance for Workspace Sky teens to meet each mm-hmm. other in, at some sort of event that's you know, perhaps organized or sponsored by Workspace? A gathering? That's
1: what's happening all the time it's together. So there it's 12 hours a day. We're open. No, I mean, physically
0: face-to-face, like like I made a friend in workspace guy that's in New York. I live in Southern California. How do I meet them beyond just doing, doing, you know, a personal, you know, travel to get there? How can we hang out with all 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 12 of our favorite friends?
1: Yeah. So we're thinking of, um, hitting you up Blake.
0: Oh, really? Um,
1: to, to joining workspace guy teams and and you're, you're pitching you me on my podcast. I,
0: I like this. This is very bold.
1: <laughs> uh, maybe you could, ha- you could have your own building and, and you could have be the incredible experiences. Um, I'm not sure what you call your well, amazing uh, Or even
0: just like a retreat for a week. Right. Yeah. Like-
1: yeah. But like, you know, I I'm on a ranch in Montana and I could easily have, you know, groups of teens that come here. We have 17 horses. We could, we could, you know, uh, we could go fly fishing. We could do all these different things and have these experiences. Um, and you know, I I, I really don't see. Uh, you, we had a let me let me give you an example. We had Dan Richard who came last week. Who's an amazing educator, who during COVID bought a sailing ship called the Rose. And his dream was to circumnavigate the world and to teach kids. He, he teaches at Proctor and a you know bunch of different places. Teach kids how to actually circumnavigate the world. Um, well, that's cool. And and you know he can have we could actually design the ship his ship in on the platform that people can actually go inside the ship, right? And and do lessons. A, a, a virtual replica
0: to. of the yeah ship. of
1: of the rose we yeah. could put in into the landscape and then <laughs> and then you know you could do the ten week session, let's say where you're learning uh, how to use the astrolabe, astrolabe, isn't it? Yeah, astrolabe. Lab, astrolabe. Um, and all, you know, all the navigational tools. <laughs> and then you could go, you know, if, you know, if you could to the in-person experience, but, you know, obviously not everyone can afford the, in- you know, uh, yes, in-person experiences and, Travel and those is expensive. Things. So we don't want to limit those people who, you know, you know, we want them to be able to partake as much as they can as well. Um, and get exposure to that.
0: Yeah, and for the record, I'm very excited about everything you're describing here. And I have thought about Mm -hmm. creating similar things in my own life. And uh, I think that just even the promise of like this virtual Mm -hmm. community meeting Mm -hmm. face-to-face, even if it's just once a year or yeah. even just like well, in once the summer, in your entire, think, the entire time yeah. that you are part of workspace Sky, yeah. even if there's just one time you can look forward to, to actually yeah. meet these other people. I just imagine yeah. that to be so motivating for these teams yeah. as compared well, to we, 100% virtual programs that have no game plan for meeting face-to-face.
1: Yeah. Well, I know that Stanford university does that. And I, I know, I remember students being very excited about mm-hmm. going to their, to their, their
0: online high school.
1: Yeah, with their online high school yeah. they had a two week yeah. gathering in the summer. But you know, we haven't put any programming in the summer yet for that reason, we've mm. been um I just moved to Montana so like we're just unpacking still. Um <laughs> but um you know, I, I'd love to connect with other people who do really great deep in person things, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And offer them like the most amazing summer. Right? I I don't have to be doing that part of it. I'd much prefer for people who are really specialized. You can
0: outsource that.
1: To outsource that to really amazing stuff. So I'd like to vet it, to find out the best stuff in the country and then offer it to the teens so -hmm. they can participate and meet each other in that way.
0: Great. Well, I imagine after this podcast airs, you'll have a number of parents uh, fervently typing in, uh workspace sky teens uh, what's the website uh, just for reference Well,
1: it's just we're still right we, we haven't launched it yet oh. i mean it's gonna it's coming soon it's come, it'll be work um it's worksky.org is our work, website
0: worksky.org yeah okay. but you
1: could uh i'm sure if you googled it things yeah we'll, we'll put up. a workspace link education
0: in the notes yes, for this episode yes too.
1: Yeah. Uh, or hundred roads as well um notorious Notoriously bad at uh, the self-promotion, so.
0: (laughs) Okay, we're working on it right Um, now. This is exposure therapy for self-promotion. Any help there
1: would be amazing. (laughs) Um, And but also, like, I'm really interested in people who want to participate because, you know, it's really fun to do this with other people. And it's really great to connect us all. All the all the people are doing neat stuff, and I, I want to promote everybody else.
0: Well, I think you know, your whole vision and your whole story, Catherine, is, is really inspiring. And I love it when I see the sort of serial entrepreneurs in this realm, you try one <laughs> thing and then try another thing and then try the next thing. And uh, sort of like the Liberated Learners Network or the ALC network, mm-hmm. you, know, yeah. you are also helping other people to create their own versions of this in, in their own area. Uh, and I love mm-hmm. the price point on workspace, guy, just because it's very different, it's a whole order of magnitude lower than most other right. uh, online offerings yeah. uh, today. So that's and that's as excellent. teens don't
1: drive, do you, do you remember that time when you couldn't drive yet and you just felt stuck and you had to ask your oh, mom yeah. to drive you places? Yeah, oh, that these are the teens I'm targeting. I really, I really want them to have a place where they can actually go and meet mm. other people without leaving the house too. Mm.
0: Well, hopefully leaving the house every once in a while, right?
1: Well, yes, no, absolutely. But to high quality things, not for the boring stuff.
0: Okay, I, I like it. All right,
1: Catherine, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure.